Hallelujah. Well, good morning to all of you who call this place home. Hi. To all of you that are new, uh, we have designed this entire weekend for you. What we wanted to do was to create an environment that says, we know someone who can bring you whole new life. We are here to provide a non-judgmental atmosphere. Why? Because we, at least here at Bridgeway, admit that we are all messed up. Amen. Amen. There we go. Therefore, we are broken people. You coming and hanging out with other broken people. And so just know that we are here to tell you about the love of Jesus Christ and what he can do to transform you from the inside out. We have called this weekend, this Easter theme, Whole New Life, but it is not merely a weekend for us. It's actually our motto. If you notice, it says Bridgeway. We are the Bridgeway to a whole new life. It's not just new life. It's that we want to have a whole life. And I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to get there. Amen? Amen. Therefore, what I want to tell you is there's more in Jesus. Whatever you thought up to this point, that's all that God has. There is more. If you have come here low on faith, if you have come here at the end of your rope, if you have come here discouraged, I need you to know there's more. Why? Because God is infinitely creative. He is infinitely brilliant. And he knows ways and strategies you don't know. There is more in Jesus. If you agree with each one of these lines, I want to hear an amen. Therefore, let me share this. When we look at what Jesus offers us, we see that he offers what so many of us want out of life. And he offers more of it than we could ever get on our own. So we see it this way. There is more joy because of his victory. Amen? Amen. Amen. There is more love because he's filling us up. Amen. Amen. There is more grace for the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Amen? Amen. There is more freedom because whom the sun sets free will be free indeed. Amen. Amen. There is more power and anointing because we are given the right to become children of God. Amen? Amen. There is more hope. In Jesus Christ than you've ever had up to this moment because he is able. Amen? Amen. Therefore, whatever you've experienced, there is more. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Matthew 28, verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one under the seat in front of you. If there's not, rip your neighbor off. It's what Jesus would do. All right, Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. If you're brand new to the Bible, you drop it open in the middle and you go to the right. All right, so you keep going. You're going to hit Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We just want to stay in the Matthew part. Matthew chapter 1, uh, excuse me, chapter 28, verse 1. So big 28, little 1, all right? Now, some of you had the opportunity to be at our Good Friday services. In Good Friday, what we do is we focus on what happened that fateful day on the Friday where Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. 
This, and I will not go too far into the extreme nature of crucifixion, but I merely want to highlight this. Crucifixion is supposed to be slow. It's supposed to be agonizing. Basically, you die on the cross because you can't breathe anymore. Even though Jesus gave up his spirit, he was on there for hours. And it says that the women of his life, the women that supported him, they were there in those final moments surrounding the foot of the cross. And they watched the man that they loved the most. They watched their best friend. They watched all of their hopes. They watched the one they were hoping would be their savior and their king. They watched him die very slowly in front of them. Now, that desperation, that despair was in their spirit that Sunday morning. They needed to go out to the tomb because they wanted to see their Jesus one more time. Now they knew he was dead. That much was clear. They saw him crucified and laid in a tomb. They knew he was dead. And with him, all their hopes died. They wanted to go anoint him one more time, but they didn't know who was going to roll back the rock. You see, at that time, if you were wealthy enough, you would have a hewn out cavern and they would have a door to it that would be a big, flat, round stone rolled downhill and locked into a channel. The only way to get it open was either one super strong guy or a bunch of guys roll it back uphill in order to open the door. These women were going by themselves because it didn't matter if their Jesus was alive or dead. They needed to be near him. They were going to go and anoint the body, but they didn't know who was going to open the door. This is where we begin our story. Matthew 28, 1 says this. Now, after the Sabbath... Remember, Jesus died on a Friday and he rose on a Sunday. The Sabbath was in between. Now, after the Sabbath toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Let's make it personal. How many of you, by show of hands, are going through something in your life where you have hoped and hoped and hoped and it's not happening, there's no breakthrough in your life, you believe it to be something you're calling out to God for, you desperately want his answer, you desperately need something, some type of answer, but now you've hoped so long, your hope has diminished or is completely gone. Raise your hand. How many of you are going through something like that? All right, this Easter is for you. Here's why. That is exactly how those women felt. Because when people die, normally they stay dead. They believe that in that tomb, when it was sealed, there was nothing that was going to happen. When they get in there, they were going to see a confirmation that all their hopes were dashed. They couldn't hope anymore because it was done. If you feel like that in your situation, check out the next line. Verse 2. And while they were on their way, behold, seriously, check this out. Yeah. All right. And behold, there was a great earthquake. Why was there a great earthquake? Why did we need an earthquake? You're going to find out what caused it, but why do we need it? Here's my opinion. Because that which was immovable needed to move to give room for God to move. You understand what I'm saying? Here's what I mean. The craziest thing about earthquakes is something moves that shouldn't move, right? Isn't that what's weird? We, the dirt's supposed to stay where it is. 
we build our houses on it. We build our buildings on it. We would never do that if it was moving around all the time. So we believe that the ground is immovable. It always has been still. It will always be still unless God shows up. Then that which is immovable has to move because the king of all creation told it to. When it starts moving and it begins to shake apart, it starts giving God some room to move in an impossible situation. So therefore, this is what it means. It means that if you have come in despair and you're looking at your situation and you said nothing's going to change, it hasn't changed, I can't see it changing, wait till Jesus shows up. And when he starts shaking stuff, now he has room to do stuff. That's what he's interested in doing. But what was the initial cause of this earthquake? Take a look at this. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven. This is almost like the whole Thor coming down. Wham! Everything shakes, right? Any of you nerds like me? Praise the Lord. All right, fantastic. All the kids are with me. The girls go, oh, he's dreamy. Okay, cool. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. What? Who are these guys? Come on, what a lame job, dude. What are you doing today? I'm watching something. What are you watching? A dead dude. What's he going to do? Nothing. That's a lame job. But imagine when God shows up, they full out possum. Ah! And they just fall over. I don't know how scared you got to be to just pass out. But these guys were so scared. They absolutely came like dead men. How intriguing and ironic that they were to watch a dead guy and they were the ones that were supposed to be alive, but then he gets up and they go down. Right? That's weird. Now, what did they represent? They represented everything was to stop the move of God. How do you know that? Because... What was their job? Put the Roman seal on it. Make sure nothing crazy happens. Make sure that when we put the guy in the tomb, he stays in the tomb, right? And make sure nobody comes and messes with it. We don't want any of that Christian stuff getting out. So it was a sign to shut down the move of God. How'd that work out? Not super well. Here's what I want to tell you. That which stands against the move of God in your life must bow its knees to Jesus Christ. Whoa, that's powerful, yeah? And the angel had something to say. Take a look at this. It says, The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified, but you see, he's not here. He is risen couple things i want you to know about that the first one is the king is alive amen? amen therefore where do you think he is i'll tell you he is right here this is not theoretical this is literal here's why because when jesus talked to christians do we have any christians in the house raise your hand all right there's quite a few all right that's good Jesus said to the Christians, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That means that he is with you. It also, he said, if you invite me, I will come into your life and live with you. The Holy Spirit says he is indwelling us bodily. It also said 
that those who draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Therefore, we are in the presence of the king. When Jesus showed up, he said, the kingdom of God is near. It's right here. So all of you that are carrying a burden, I want you to imagine for a moment and allow your emotions to go to the place. What if God came in the room? Because that's real. That's what's going on right now. A couple other things that I find interesting about that. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus. You see, he's not here, but you got nothing to fear because he's alive. Here's what's so important. To the men that tried to stop the movement of God, they fell as dead. To those women that were looking to get next to Jesus, he was there with wide open arms and they had nothing to fear. I need you to hear if you are brand new to this whole idea of Christianity. The whole idea that God is waiting to smash you on the head and judge you for your sin. I'm here to tell you, he understands you're broken. He understands you're messed up. And like a father who kneels down and allows a toddler to take their first steps and all he has is encouragement. Come on, kids, you can do this. That's his posture towards you. And the angel said, come and see where he lay. Why? Because you've got to own your Christianity. You've got to sort it out. Everybody goes to heaven and stands before the king one at a time. You don't get to go to heaven on your wife's coattails. You don't get to go to heaven because of your parents. You don't get to go to heaven because of your kids. You stand before Jesus all by yourself. So the angel said, you don't believe it. Why don't you come in and see it? You can check it out. Poke holes in it. Figure it out. Grab the cloth. See our Jesus is alive. That Jesus who walked with you for those three years, your best friend, the one that seemed to know all your thoughts, the one that seemed to be the source of all your dreams, the one that you were certain and sure that he was the king of Israel. Oh, he's alive. He's not here anymore. You got to come and see it for yourself. If you're afraid that you're going to ask too many questions and Christianity is going to crumble, I'm here to tell you that's not true. I am a Christian and I'm an analytical person. I am very much about research. I'm very much about being cynical about things. I tear things apart. I am a Christian because it makes sense of my reality. I'm not a Christian because it works for me. I'm a Christian because it's real. People smarter than anyone in this room for thousands of years have tried to poke holes in Christianity. There may be mystery, but there's no holes. There may be things that we don't have fully figured out because God is unknowable. But that which we can see, that which we can know is consistent and true. He said, I want you to come and see. And then I want you to go quickly and tell. Did you see that? It says this. I want you to come and see the place where he lay. Verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Once you know. Once you know that he's really alive. Once you know that he got out of that tomb. Once you realize that he is giving you new life. Why in the world would you hang on to that and not tell anybody? That's weird. It seems awfully selfish. Now, if we're really playing a game, maybe we do need to keep quiet. 
If we're just playing some religious game where we're doing it because everybody else does it, and it's kind of like we're doing the religious thing. Honestly, I'm not that impressed by religion. I think it's awfully boring. I would never wish religion on my neighbor. That would be terrible. Because really all it does is just add weight to your life. I need more freedom. I don't need more weight. And if you're doing religion, yeah, you might as well keep it quiet. But if he's real, if this is really about relationship and a restoration of relationship with a God who formed you, if you can really communicate to him and he with you, if there is really a Holy Spirit that is active and alive, moving in the church today, moving in our lives today, then why wouldn't we share that? It only makes sense. Come and see, then you got to get out there and go and tell. So there's more. If you got an empty grave, it means something. And it means something for you and for your family. Here's what being alive means for us. You can't have good news without bad news. So let me tell you about the bad news. The bad news is we were all born selfish, right? Now, of course, uh, let's be honest with it. I'm not selfish. You're not selfish. But man, we know a lot of selfish people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? Bible says that we're all selfish. You understand that sin? Because whenever I mention that we all have sin, automatically all our minds go to stuff like killing people. I didn't kill anybody. Nobody said you killed anybody. We're talking about selfishness. Oh, what's the big deal about selfishness? Because here's the interesting thing. In a baby, the baby is born selfish. The baby's like, dude, you all exist for me. The minute you walk out of my world, you cease to exist. That bottle is mine, that toy is mine, and that other kid that wants to take my toy, don't like him. Right? That's super cute in a toddler, not super cute in a 45-year-old dude. Right? That selfishness is what's killing us. That selfishness says, I'm on the throne of my life, not the king. That selfishness says the whole world revolves around me, not God. That makes you an enemy of God. In other words, when everything in your life is run by you, taught by you, that means you get to tell God what to do and only enemies try to do that. If you stand against God, what happens? Not good. And therefore, because we are born selfish and we've been affirming that ever since... We deserve hell. Here's the good news. Jesus said, I can't have my kids go there. I love you way too much. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fix an impossible situation. You have deserved to be away from me for eternity, but I don't want you away from me. I want you wherever I am. Therefore, I will come and do the impossible. I will pay your penalty. I will pay your sin. Therefore, here's what I'm going to offer. And when he's going to slide on the table for all of us, he said, I will take your entire life from birth to death. I'm going to take all your sin and all the messed up stuff. You probably haven't even got there yet. I'm going to take all that messed up stuff in one report. And it's going to be called your life. Then I'm going to take my life. Jesus said, where I did everything right, every relationship right, all of my righteousness, all of my beauty and my glory, everything I did, I did it right because the Father told me to do it. I'm going to take all of that purity, all of that power, and I'm going to put it in my report. 
and I'm going to switch with you. You take mine, I'll take yours. You take my righteousness, I'll take your sin. Because you've got to be with me. That's on the table. Do we want new life? Do we want all of that to be true? That is the offer on the table. Jesus has a power to lay down his life and raise it up again. That means he is the king over death. Therefore, whoever he gives life to will have eternal life. If you have already trusted in Jesus, your eternal life has already begun. You will never die. Though you will pass from this life to the next, you just go from glory to greater glory. And there is no more fear in death. Do we need that new life? Well, here's what's fascinating. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So what does new look like? Let's make it practical. What does new look like? These things you might need. Here's what it means to me. New life means that the sin of our lives will not cling to us. We will be forgiven and we will be set free. Amen? Amen. New life means that connection and intimacy with our God who formed us will be established. Amen? Amen? New life means that a relationship with God will bring help and hope in times of need. Amen? And new life means that a new future and a promise will come into our lives that we are headed towards glory. Do you need new life? Some of us, we do. Now there are some of us here in this place, when I said how many believers do we have in the room, hands went up everywhere. It was like a a bunch of people were like, yeah, I'm all in with Jesus, right? But some of you, like me, are limping when we should be running. Some of you, like me, have way too much baggage that we're carrying around. Some of you, like me, are wrestling with forgiveness. Some of you, like me, have a lot of insecurity. Some of you, like me, are not living the victorious life that Jesus purchased for us. Some of you, like me, our lives aren't aligned with everything he bought. If you're like me, you need whole life. You got new life. We're just living less than the best. And we need wholeness to come back into our lives. Hmm. Romans 6, 4, we were therefore buried with him by baptism into death. Talking about Christians. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For those of you who are Christians, I'm here to tell you there is more. You think you have found the edge of your Christianity. You have yet to begin. You think that you have already discovered all that he has for you. You have not even opened up the trunk. I need you to know there is more for you. What do I mean by more? Here's how I picture more. I mean freedom to think. Having a freedom from all those selfish thoughts that keep ruining my day. When I talk about whole life, I mean freedom from the bondage breaking free of addiction and compulsion that ruins my life. When I talk about it, I mean freedom from anger, not lashing out from a wounded spirit 
every day. I mean freedom from insecurity, being secure in my identity with Christ so that I know that he knows who I am. I mean freedom from feeling lost, that I would walk with purposefulness and meaning every day. I mean freedom from weakness, for Jesus and the Holy Spirit anoints us with power to carry forth the kingdom of God. I mean freedom from despair and the restoration of a broken heart. Some of us need to be whole. Can I have Jake the team come on out here. Here's what I would like you to do. As they come out here, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes and get into a posture of just receiving. We are not interested in you giving anything right now. This is all about pouring into you. This is time for the Holy Spirit to minister to you. This is time for you to receive, especially those of you that are hurting and in despair. This is your Easter, your time for the resurrected Jesus to minister to you. We have given him praise. We have given him what we have for him. He has so much more to give to us. I want everyone closing your eyes. Here's why. There are some of us that need new life. And I'm going to pray for you. Whenever I pray a line or a prayer that you say that pastor is speaking for me, God, I need you to hear me. I just want you to slip your hand up to heaven. It's not for anybody else. Nobody else is going to know you're raising your hand. They all have their eyes closed. But between you and God, you're going to say, yes, Lord, that's me. Let me begin to pray. We'll get to the wholeness, but right now we're talking about new life. Heavenly Father, we need you. We need your love to be so true in our lives that we can release everything we've been hanging on to. We admit that we have been selfish and we don't want to own our lives anymore. We want to give it over to you. So right here, right now, Jesus, everything you paid for on the cross, we want it to be real for us. We need your forgiveness, Lord. Holy Spirit, rain down your grace. Rain down your mercy that we might be new, that we might be free that you would light up in our lives our spiritual awakening that we might be connected with you for the first time. So Jesus, we say, forgive us, Lord. You are the master. You are the king. You're the one that it's all about. And we put our hands up and we say, we acknowledge you as Lord and master. And we need to be cleansed. We need to be healed. For those of you that are Christians that feel like you're walking with a limp, I pray for you. Whenever I pray anything that agrees with you, you raise your hands to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we're broken. We're tired of going through the same cycles over and over. We're tired of the same sin. We're tired of being bullied by the enemy. We're tired of the same addiction and compulsion. We want to be free. We need our marriages healed. We need our relationships healed. We need your protection and we need your provision. Right now, Lord, we've been walking through some physical ailments. And Holy Spirit, would you bring your healing in this rich environment? Would you, Lord, pour down and knit together our broken hearts? Would you cut away the baggage of our past? Would you allow all that you've made in us to rise up that we might be new and whole? Oh, God, we cry out to you because you're our only hope. Fix us and heal us, Lord. You are good. 
Could I have everyone stand to your feet? We're going to go out with a blessing. I'm going to speak a blessing over you as our congregation. And after I get done with this last song, we're going to sing one last song after my blessing. After we get done with that, the altar is going to be open. We're going to have all of our prayer team here. So prayer team, can you come forward, please? Face outwardly to everyone else. They are here just for you. I don't want anyone taking home anything you don't need to take home. If there needs breakthrough, if there needs something cut out of your life, if there needs some freedom, if there needs some grace and joy, I want you to come up after the song and pray with our prayer team. Please don't leave here feeling heavy. Jesus has made us light and made us free. Therefore, I have a blessing to speak over you as we close. Feel free to amen along. In the name of Jesus, every enemy has been destroyed that stands against us. Amen? Amen. He doesn't get to bully you anymore. You've got a bodyguard. Death has no hold over you because Jesus is the king of life and death. He has gone to prepare a place for you that you would be with him forever after. He is bringing victory alive in us. That means you will be his witnesses. You will be salt and light. You will be the power and the testimony that goes out into the world and breaks the chains of the enemy. And I must tell you that today on this Resurrection Sunday, nothing is impossible with God. Amen.